he went from a senator who has lots of town halls to a senator who does not have town halls. The facts did not change. He still didn't do it. He wasn't doing it then in a meaningful way, and he's certainly not doing it now. But what changed was it allowed voters to really understand that this employee that we hired to do a job was not doing it. And I think that ultimately that's what makes change. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. My guests today are three leaders with the Pennsylvania group Tuesdays with Toomey, which organized citizens around protesting Republican U.S. Senator Patrick Toomey's support of Trump nominees and other actions that he was taking that were not in the best interest of his state or the country. They are Neil Cole, Carolyn Stilwell, and Vash Bandy. We had a very good conversation about how their group came to be, what it did, how effective it was, and what it's currently trying to do in the 2022 midterms. It's a good story about what it takes to become players in the political world for average citizens. You should listen. So after a quick word from my sponsor, my interview with Vash, Neil, and Carolyn at Tuesdays with Toomey. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from Timeplots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. Timeplots Library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. Carolyn, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and giving me a quick biography? I'm Carolyn Stilwell. I'm a graphic designer living in Philadelphia, and I'm one of the organizers of Tuesdays with Toomey Philadelphia. And just tell me a little bit, a little bit more about yourself and how you became interested in this. I have to admit that I was one of those people that um, I felt I was paying attention, but it turns out I wasn't actually paying that much of attention before 2016. After that election, I realized that I needed to be involved. I read about Tuesdays with Toomey somewhere online right after the election, and I thought, I can do that. So I started attending the protests slash rallies outside of his offices. I think that was in December 2016. And Probably about a year later, I started joining in, being one of the organizers, and uh, then it's five years later. <laughs> Carolyn, was it mainly sort of the Trump victory, or was it direct more to do with state issues and to me? I, for me at the time, it just felt like everything. Before 2016, I was eternally getting the names Toomey and Casey confused. They both ended with the E sound. And I remember saying to my friend, Toomey, wait, is, is he the good one or the bad one? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't have that problem anymore. So for me, Tuesdays with Toomey was, um, I was looking for a way to get hooked in. I was really lucky that Tuesdays with Toomey was pretty much the first thing I tried and it was a really good fit for me. 
Neil, would you introduce yourself and uh, give me a sense of what you thought Tuesdays with Toomey was when you joined it? So yeah, my name is Neil Cole. I am a technical worker by day. I'm also a photographer. I, like Carolyn, was kind of a little shook by the 2016 election uh, and heard about the protest that was going on outside Toomey's office and joined probably late 2016 or early 2017. And in fact, one of my coworkers introduced me to Carolyn, one of those first rallies, as the Trump presidency started to gather steam. Uh, and there were, you know, issue after issue that was concerning and kept going back and going back. And then, you know, gradually became the, the de facto photographer for, for Tuesdays with Toomey. And now I'm, I'm also helping to organize and run the weekly rallies. That's how it started. How about you, Vash? So I'm Vash. I think I'm of the people here, I've started the earliest. It was November 2016. And what spurred me to action was Trump. I'd done some canvassing. I'd done some, like, I'd always done things centered around presidential elections. So, like, me and my bestie would go to the park. And I think I think once I dressed up as Obama and she dressed up as Joe Biden and we were registering voters and we did stuff like that. But I would not have called myself, like, very politically knowledgeable outside of that. And after Trump was elected... Frankly, it felt like I I was in a different place. I mean, it's complicated, but the point is I just really wanted to know what I could do because I'm the kind of person who's like, I believe that it's not enough. You, you, if you're going to complain, if you're going to complain, you have to take action. So I was like, I'm going to be doing a lot of complaining. So what can I do? And so I had heard that you could go talk to your senator, which I mean, I haven't succeeded at with. Senator Toomey yet. But at the time, I was like, oh, my senator has an office in the city. I can go there. So I did. And I was very upset that Steve Bannon was going to be Trump's advisor, um, his White House advisor. And I was like, well, he's super racist. That's not great. I thought, well, everybody's reasonable. So I bought a Hallmark card and it had a puppy and a kitten on it. And I took it to the office and I wrote a little note. We are all the same. You know, Toomey had said that he wouldn't just rubber stamp every Trump decision. So I was like, okay. And I went and I delivered it. And then I realized that that was not enough as the weeks unfolded and, and as kind of getting caught up in the zeitgeist of the time. So I, I went, did that on a Thursday. And then the next week I'd heard that there was a group that went on Tuesday. So I was like, I'll go on Tuesday. And as Tuesdays with Toomey really grew organically from that point, like we started calling ourselves Tuesdays with Toomey because it was alliterative. And then, you know, and then the next week, the week I came with the group, there was like maybe 17 people. And then the following week, there were like 30 people. And then the following week, there was 100 people. And at one of these weekly rallies, um, a, a woman, Larissa, who's really a lovely woman, she brought a video camera and we all explained why we were there and what we were going to do. And at that point, I committed to be there for six years. I did not know how long six years was. I mean, I am now five and a half years older. And I just kind of stuck with it because it was important. It was it was good, valuable work. And I felt like I was making a difference. Carolyn, can you give me a sense of how you're views on Senator Toomey evolved from sort of before you started doing this to paying attention? What did you think of him 
sort of vaguely at the beginning and how did that change over time? Can I start by answering a orthogonal question to that, which is what were my views on what we were going to be able to accomplish? Like Vash, I thought the political world seemed much smaller to me when I started with Tuesdays with Toomey. I thought, hey, we can actually do something here. We can influence his vote on Betsy DeVos or you know all of these cabinet picks. We're just going to be out here and there are lots of people and he'll listen to us. And that seemed really reasonable and doable. And like Vash, I remember putting a recurring thing on my calendar every Tuesday for the next six weeks, six years, go to Tuesdays with Toomey, and it's still there, and I'm still going to Tuesdays with Toomey. So it seemed very doable. And so I guess to now answer your question, I started out thinking Toomey was someone who would listen to his constituents, that he saw his job as working for the best for Pennsylvanians, that if enough of us said to him, hey, we really don't think that's a great idea, it's not good for us, that he would listen to it. I now contradictorily have a much more optimistic view of politics and being involved than I did before, because I see that you can get involved, that there are ways in, people are there to invite you to make a difference and to be involved in the political process. On the other hand, I am much less optimistic about people like Toomey. He's shown himself to really be very uninterested in what's best for the majority of Pennsylvanians and to make decisions that are best for him and people like him. And we can just look at the PACT Act that just happened and his vote for no on helping veterans exposed to burn pits, toxic burn pits, that unabashedly that was bad for Pennsylvanians, and he went ahead and did it. I want to continue with Carolyn for just a sec. These Republican senators, starting at the beginning of Trump, faced a very different situation, I think, in just the, the intensity with which Trump would come after senators personally if they opposed him. And there were not that many courageous moves by Republican senators to break from that. I don't know that I really understand it, although we have seen people beaten in primaries or kind of run out of the Senate, I guess, really by the combination of Trump and the people who are supporting him. How do you evaluate, in the case of your senator, how he navigated that difficulty because he had a lot of people in Pennsylvania who wanted him to vote the way he voted, I assume, maybe not a majority, but like, how do you think about the politics from his point of view and how he did kind of compared to other Republicans? Senator Jimmy's strategy for winning statewide election in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is very, is, is really the standard of a purple state. And so his strategy has been to campaign as a moderate. And we can look back at press articles about him talking about how he's the the great, reasonable, moderate Republican. We can trust him. He will make moderate decisions. He might be a Republican, but he's he he really fits for a purple state. And he was successful winning statewide office twice doing that. And the way he managed to campaign that way 
but not legislate that way, is that he really tried to go under the radar. So for example, election day, November 2016, he waited till the last minute to vote. And then at the last minute, right before the polls were closing, he said, oh, I voted for Trump. He refused to say anything until that moment. So he really looks to find the ways that he can have it both ways. He can vote in really quite radical ways. If you look at his voting record, he is one of the most radical, his voting record. One of the things I've loved about Tuesdays with Toomey is we invite experts to speak to us. And it's been an incredible education for me. We invite elected officials. We invite people who run nonprofits and advocacy organizations. And most importantly, we invite people who are most affected by whatever the topic or the policies are of that week. And what I've learned is that this image of him as a moderate does not hold. And so what we've done through Tuesdays with Toomey is take away that platform of his, this, this image that he is a moderate. So he, we believe, saw the writing on the wall. And it was not just us. It was us and other groups. And he saw the writing on the wall that the Republican Party under Trump had become more extreme. And he couldn't thread that needle in Pennsylvania of campaigning as a moderate and legislating as under the radar as a pretty radical right-wing Republican. So to answer your question, how have my views on him changed? I read the press. I, you know, as I said, I wasn't real aware. And I thought, yeah, okay. I mean, he seems like a right, reasonable, intelligent, moderate man. And then as I was educated, I realized that that was not true. Neil, uh, your senator has taken a few votes that put him at odds with the right wing of the Republican Party, right? I mean, he didn't he vote to impeach things like that? That's after he retired, said he was going to retire. Like, how do you understand those those small those small number of times where he's stepped out in that direction? There's a number of ways to look at that. One is that a stop clock is right <laughs> twice a day. That's one way to look at it. Um, the other way to look at it is he will, again, like like with the what Carol was talking about with the election, he'll choose a path that will cost him the least. So he didn't vote, again, he didn't vote to convict Trump the first impeachment. He voted to convict Trump the second impeachment after he had decided to retire when it was very, very clear that Trump was going to be acquitted. He could do it with, with very little risk to his, to his political standing. That I think is is the key is is he'll take he'll take positions that may seem to be popular if if there's very minimal risk to his standing, not with the electorate but with his true constituency, which seems to be corporations. He's a club for growth guy. His signature legislation is enormous tax cuts for corporations, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that had tax cuts for individuals, tax cuts for corporations. Our tax cuts, the individual tax cuts are going away, but the corporate tax cuts are forever. And if you look at his objection to the even the PACT Act, that's budgeting specifically to help individuals, to, to help individual veterans who, who are suffering because of their service. What he didn't mention is the Senate Armed Services Committee just approved a defense budget 
that is $80 billion more than last year's defense budget and $45 billion more than Biden asked for. We haven't heard a peep from Senator Toomey talking about runaway spending at the defense budget. It's only when it goes to help individuals, not defense contractors, that that we start hearing about things are spiraling out of control. Fash, if what Tuesdays with Toomey was doing, if what you collectively were doing was not ultimately much affecting his votes, his legislating, as it sounds like you have come to conclude, what do you think the impact was kind of both on you guys as a group and on Pennsylvania politics? I'll start with a personal. The impact on me was, one, I realized that a senator is not somebody who is above me, that a senator is not somebody who is doing me a favor by listening to me or talking to me. I learned that that is an employee. I did not view it in that way. Now, it's a collective employment situation because he's a, he is an employee of all of the voters of Pennsylvania, even those who did not vote for him, something he doesn't really indicate a great awareness of. I learned where and how I can actually participate in the political process and why it's important and why it matters. And I think so much of the media and cultural narrative, and I know this in my personal life because I'm a person who meets and interacts and talks with a lot of people. I'm very outgoing. And when I talk with people, they have the same complaints I do. But when I say, well, here's some ways you can take action, I didn't know there, that there are things that you can do, that your calls can may not make a difference with a particular piece of legislation, and then we'll move to the larger effect. But they do make a difference with continued action. And one thing Tuesdays with Toomey taught me was, it's not a matter of doing it once. It's a matter of doing it consistently, all weather, day in, day out, because the effect is larger, that is larger than Senator Toomey. So I think that what we did that was incredibly effective is we let Pennsylvania know that Senator Toomey was not doing his job. We let Pennsylvania know Senator Toomey went from being a senator who, through doing these telephone town halls that he pre-scripted and screened the questions and didn't actually interact, we took that from being defined as a town hall, and I'm using air quotes here because it's not, and we said, no, as voters, as constituents, we have a right to interact with you. And 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 to have a meaningful conversation and dialogue through a town hall. And when he refused to do that, and he has continually refused to do that, he went from a senator who has lots of town halls to a senator who does not have town halls. The facts did not change. He still didn't do it. He wasn't doing it then in a meaningful way, and he's certainly not doing it now. But what changed was it allowed voters to really understand that this employee that we hired to do a job was not doing it. And I think that ultimately that's what makes change. I think that Senator Toomey, due to a lot of people actually focusing on him, as Carolyn said, and, and through due to consistent focus, due to a consistent attention, because a lot of representatives slip under the radar for their actions because people aren't paying attention. And it is our job as citizens and as constituents and as voters to pay attention. And I think that what Tuesdays with Toomey taught me was that we have the, the collective power to focus the attention of people and then they can make their own decisions. 
Neil, could you pick that up a little bit? Like, what actions do you think that you guys collectively took that made a difference, got heard by a broader part of the state, the populace in the state, and and maybe had some impact on the senator's reputation or on people's voting decisions? I'm not quite sure what the what the most impactful thing would be. A lot of how when we were planning rallies, it was around what was going on in this national national legislature, sometimes in the state legislature. And I think, you know, our, our power was to draw people together. And if, if we could draw enough people together to draw the news media in and raise more attention. The other thing we could do was mobilize our the attendees to take direct action, whether that's calling Trump's offices or writing letters to the editor. Um, what we had heard is that he, to me, was very sensitive to bad publicity. So if you could get a letter to the editor published that was critical of the stance he was taking, it would have some impact. But again, given his voting record, I'm not sure other than making him feel bad whether that actually changed something with, with respect to Toomey. I think a lot of the impact we had was was not so much with Toomey, but in mobilizing and organizing people in Philadelphia, but also in the other cities where Tuesdays with Toomey protests were were taking place. I want to ask Carolyn, was there evidence that the senator became aware of your group? What's your sense of like, did he know and did that matter? What I was going to say, in addition to um, everything that Vash and Neil just said, uh, you're right that we did not, I can't think of any votes that I looked at and said, yeah, Toomey listened to us. However, if you look at our other senator, Bob Casey, and look at the way he's acted over the past five and a half years in comparison to the the rest of his political career, he is much louder. He is much more willing to take more progressive stances on different topics. He's much more willing to call out things that he doesn't agree with. And I believe, and I think there's evidence to support that he has been emboldened by Tuesdays with Jimmy and other groups. I certainly don't want to take the credit for all of that, but he's been emboldened because he knows that he's got this large number of Pennsylvanians who are willing to be loud and have his back. At the same time, He's also very aware that if he votes in a way that's against Pennsylvanians' interest, Casey himself will hear about it, just like Toomey has. So while our target has definitely been Toomey, this is part of a very connected ecosystem, political ecosystem. And we've been very aware that everything we do has greater impact than that. So your question of... Does Toomey know we exist? Yes, 100%, absolutely. To begin with, when we started in November 2016, his office was in Center City, Philadelphia, which is the area where white-collar workers' offices are. Lots of people are there. We're there every Tuesday at 1220, so lunchtime. That meant that hundreds, literally hundreds of people could um, attend our rallies. The police would have to close off the street. There were multiple news outlets. City council people made sure to be there, as well as state reps, state senators. It was a couple of months in, I'm going to say two, three, four months into um, 
Tuesdays with Toomey, he moved his offices to a part of town that is has fewer workers who have lunch during that time, that's harder for people to get to, and is in a federal building, which has different, which uh, has different penalties for getting arrested. We are very careful to have our um, rallies on the part of the sidewalk that's owned by the city rather than federal property, because we've been told that the penalties for getting um, arrested on federal property like that would be significantly different than on city sidewalk. We also, Every rally, at the end of the rally, uh, we collect the letters, postcards that everybody has for Toomey. One of our members goes into, shout out to Susan, goes into the building where all of the security guards know us. um, And one of Toomey's staffers comes down, collects the letters we have for him. He has obliquely mentioned us um, as well. But we've also heard through... I won't use names, but through some of our elected officials in Washington, that he is very aware of us, that he doesn't have a lot of good things to say about us and feels the pressure. Fash, I want to ask you kind of a philosophical question here about about these kind of actions. So like I am I'm very sympathetic, as you might imagine, to trying to hold Senator Toomey accountable and trying to move him uh, to be to kind of recognize that he was in the same party as a very dangerous president and a president who, you know, ultimately was unwilling to step down when he lost and and lied about it. Of all of the bad things Trump did, that's, you know, to me, you know, the most fundamental horror, honestly, from a president in a democratic system. But every senator has detractors and that some subset of the population wants to protest Senator Casey, who's a Democrat. What do you think are the parameters that make protest of this sort and political action of this sort appropriate? What would be your threshold or your group's threshold for like, when does it make sense to get involved? I mean, like I'm assuming you guys are always nonviolent and thoughtful and, and like, you know, very careful about your actions, but not everybody is. We've got people on the other side who want to bring their guns to the state capitals. We got people going to Supreme Court justices' homes when the Supreme Court is doing terrible things. What do you think about for yourself and beyond what have you heard about what is right to do and when? I think this is a really complicated question because I'll, I'll speak first to our group, and I can talk about the Philadelphia Tuesdays with Toomey specifically, because we're a movement more than an organization. Our guideline has been, we keep it focused on their performance in their job. So I'm not going to say anything that is unrelated to that. So I won't, I obviously won't address his family because that is not my business. He's an employee. I would never do that with an employee. And I kind of use the employee guideline in my mind as what is appropriate. Like what if I had an employee, what or if I was an employee, would I consider this to be an appropriate addressing of how would I feel if my employer addressed concerns to me in that way? So our organization uh, movement in our area has a firm rule against going to anybody's house. We're not going to Toomey's house. 
Other organizations will do that and that's their decision, but we won't. We will go to his offices when he is out in public. For example, he had a television town hall and we had a protest at that because it was not open attendance. So we tried to attend as one would expect to be able to do. And we had protesters outside when we were in coordination with some other wonderful groups, including ADAPT, the local Philadelphia chapter. That, in my mind, is an appropriate use of my time. If we'd gotten in a car and followed him to his house, that would not have been appropriate. So in general, I feel as though it is wise for our organization to think about it in the line of employee-employer. There are some groups that do go to a representative's house. And I feel it's really complicated. For example, ACT UP in the 80s would go to representatives and people's houses and schedule die-ins. And I can frankly say I don't know. It's not something I would I would do, but I can under I mean when your life is literally on the line, I can understand that level of action. I don't think it's ever appropriate to bring a weapon. I don't think it's ever appropriate to bring a gun to a protest because whether or not you intend to fire it, simply having that on your person escalates a movement towards violence. I frankly believe, aside from moral standings, I think it is more effective as a person who wants to have an interaction and relationship and work within a system not to carry a symbol or make an indication that I am going to move to violence. That is that is a hard line for me personally. I don't think that that's appropriate. So ultimately, I judge it for an organization or a movement of our type. I judge it by this is an employee. What would I consider to be appropriate to treat an employee, especially an employee who is paid as well as Senator Toomey is for doing a very important job? An employee that, frankly, I can only fire every six years, right? So <laughs> that's that's another aspect of it. I can understand people can get pretty heated in conversations with staff, that's understandable too. Neil, tell me a little bit about how you collectively did decision-making. You're having to decide what to do, what kind of actions, how, and and like, you know, this, if to the degree this is like white collar workers, it's a little bit different, I think, to manage than maybe some other groups. But tell me a little bit about like who's involved and how do you decide together what to do and what not to do? This has evolved pretty significantly over the years because people have come and gone. And in a lot of ways, the the focus of the movement has changed over time. So in the beginning, it was about getting to me to listen. And we had a very large and diverse group. And now towards, you know, towards the end, we, you know, we have a hard stop at the next inauguration. Tuesdays with Toomey is done. But now our focus is on the next senator. So, you know, we're, we're working to, to get to the next senator. So the, the decision making process has evolved. It has almost always been issue driven. So what's going on? You know, what legislation is coming up? What has hit the news that, that really we need to call attention to? And also around elections, because of the importance of national, state, and local elections, we, we have always done work around elections to raise awareness. For a while, we actually had a fairly formal uh, executive board who would set direction 
And that rotated every couple of months as people were asked, you know, people who are regular attendees were asked, can you contribute? And so people would, would volunteer and we'd meet up, set some topics. We have an incredible person who um, can f- uh, find us speakers, um, Raz, shout out to Raz. We have people who've, who've volunteered to do certain aspects. So I did the photography. So if you're going to come volunteer your time to get up in front of a bunch of strangers and speak, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make you look like a movie star and I'll give you the pictures. And then we had people who are handling, you know, like the mailing list. So every week that we'd have mailing to, to promote this and the Facebook. So we, we have a group of volunteers and it's very loose, very informal, and it's evolved over time. The three of us plus Roz are pretty much the core group now. And again, we're, we're, our focus is smaller and very much targeted on this election. So we're, we're kind of in the, in the end game now. We're still doing that, but mostly we're focusing on the election. Carolyn, I want to ask you, like, if there's been a couple references to sort of working in partnership with other groups. When I heard a little more about what kind of actions you took, it reminded me of sort of what Indivisible was trying to do and other groups that were putting out a template for how do you call attention to the legislative side of, of the representatives or senators and how do you appropriately apply pressure? Who did you work in concert with? What else did you look at? And how do you sort of fit in what you're doing at Tuesdays with Toomey with the other people that are allies? Yeah, so Tuesdays with Toomey started before or simultaneously with that first PDF that Indivisible put out. And I think officially somewhere we might be listed as an indivisible group, which is an artifact of a long time ago. Not that we have any problem with that. Indivisible is great. But you're divisible from indivisible. (laughs) Exactly. At our first planning meeting, we read that indivisible guide when we had uh, more than 20 people. So certainly informed and educated about that. Our focus on town halls is a hallmark of Indivisible, particularly early Indivisible. But what we found as Tuesdays with Toomey grew organically and was informed by both the people in the group, what we're interested in, what we're good at, Tuesdays with Toomey has a personality of its own. And I want to also say that Tuesdays with Toomey Philadelphia, which we are a part of, is just one of the Tuesdays with Toomey's. There's a Tuesdays with Toomey Harrisburg, Allentown, Pittsburgh, and each group runs itself in the way that's appropriate for that area. We strongly believe that someone from the outside can't tell people how to do something better than what they know in their own area. But beyond Indivisible, as I mentioned before, we have speakers, elected officials, activists, healthcare providers people with disabilities talking about disability policy, all sorts of organizers. We have professors and historians who come speak to us about different topics. Let me put it this way. I think we can all say that when we started Tuesdays with Toomey, we were incredibly naive in a lot of good ways. We didn't know what we couldn't do. We didn't know what a political group should look like. We didn't know anything. So we weren't fitting a model because we didn't have a model. Um, And that served us well. It also meant that we did a whole lot more work because we were inventing a whole lot of wheels. The other piece is when we partner with groups, 
we don't see volunteering with Tuesdays with Toomey and being involved with Tuesdays with Toomey as the be all and end all for a person being politically active. We really want to drive people to other organizations. We don't fundraise. We're working ourselves out of a job. We want to be an on-ramp and an education for people. One of the people who used to um, come to Tuesdays with Toomey every week sent us an email and said, I haven't been at Tuesdays with Toomey for a couple of months, um, but I wanted to let you know why. And she said, she lives out in the suburbs and she said, I haven't been at Tuesdays with Toomey because attending Tuesdays with Toomey gave me the skills and the confidence to start my own group in my neighborhood. Terry started her own group with her own neighbors and the people in her own area. It is not like Tuesdays with Toomey. It's its own group. It does its own thing, but it's appropriate for what she and her neighbors are concerned about. And that's what we're aiming for with Tuesdays with Toomey, that we're part of this ecosystem. We are not drawing resources from other established groups. We are providing volunteers, education, publicity for those other groups as well. I mean, to me, it's what you're doing. It's the work of democracy. It's the work of being a citizen. It's the responsibility that we all can step up to and that we can strengthen our voice by getting together with other people. Neil, in Pennsylvania in 2022, there's just incredibly high stakes in a midterm election for statewide offices where the contrast between the candidates is as wide as it can be on the very notion of how the democracy operates as well as every other issue. And so many eyes and so many dollars and so many groups are going to be hard at it. How do you think about how can we play our part? Because, you know, in a state with tens of millions of people, there's only so much any one person or group can do. Yeah. Let me say, first of all, in, in terms of how Tuesdays with Toomey has affected politics, I just want to say several people were arrested at Toomey's offices early on back before he moved to the government building. Uh, one of those people arrested was uh, Nikhil Saval, who is now my state senator. He ran for office and got elected. One of the early uh, MCs who would come up and host Tuesdays with Toomey and introduce speakers was Malcolm Kenyatta, who is now my state rep. So it's not that it was Tuesdays with Toomey that did that, but it was a way to get involved to meet other people who were trying to make a difference and then going out and doing your own thing. And there were other people who ran for office, some got elected, some didn't, but a lot of people were motivated to run for office. Again, not necessarily Tuesdays with Toomey related, but the whole becoming more politically active of which Tuesdays with Toomey was a part. The other thing is our focus now is on this election. So uh, Fetterman versus Oz, the choice is pretty stark there in our little area in, in Philadelphia. I don't think we can do more other than tell people to get out and vote. You know, I think in Philadelphia, people have pretty much made, made up their minds Fetterman versus Oz. I think where we realize we probably need to raise some awareness is actually in the governor's race, Mastriano versus Shapiro, where, you know, Mastriano is a very dangerous, dangerous choice. And we need to make sure that, that people are aware and get, get people out to vote. There are 
Again, Carolyn has mentioned some of the other Tuesdays with Too Many groups. There is an organization called the New Pennsylvania Project, which was headed by Kadita, was founded by Kadita Kenner, who was one of the principals of the Tuesdays with Toomey Harrisburg. She's the one who actually I interviewed and she sent you to me. Yeah. 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 So she's trying to do in Pennsylvania what was done in Georgia. And she's been quite successful from what I understand. So, you know, that's the we're organizing canvassing sessions to, to get people out to vote. We're promoting to the people who are watching opportunities to get involved with the election because we're, we're reaching a politically aware audience and we're trying to change them from politically aware to politically involved to, to try and get them to get out and canvas, register people to vote, whatever it takes to, to get Fetterman and Shapiro elected is our focus now. I agree with you, Mastriano. It would be really dangerous if he were the governor coming into the 2024 election because he seems to be willing to work in concert with the legislature to actually potentially overturn the vote of the uh, electoral vote of, of the state if the Republican didn't carry the state, which is just not cool. Do you think that like Mondays with Mastriano would have to be the next? group if uh if we can't win this one <laughs> i see i see God, people I panicking not. yeah <laughs> the answer to that is let's work really hard to make that not happen right one thing at a time <laughs> <laughs> how are you approaching the 2022 election like what specific things is the group doing okay carolyn well yeah i actually just had a phone call this morning that fits right into that. So what we are doing is, like I said, we aren't running canvassing sessions. We aren't running those sorts of things. We are helping people get involved. This morning, I had a conversation with the Beaver County Dems. They are a county on the western side of Pennsylvania. I was talking to their volunteer coordinator, asking them what sorts of volunteer opportunities they had for people. What do they need done? Um, we have a relatively large social media following. So we, for example, with the Beaver County Dems, we will start posting those opportunities. But not just that. We have found that, um, I always say I'm an introvert. And so doing something like canvassing or, God forbid, phone calling, which I hate doing, I really needed a lot of handholding to get out to uh, my first canvassing event. And in fact, the person who held my hand was Malcolm Kenyatta. It was his first election. I showed up at one of his events. I told him I didn't know how to do it and I was scared to do it. And he's like, come out with me. I'll show you how. So I kind of feel like I was trained by the best. Um, and so we do things like it's not enough to say, to tweet out, hey, you need to canvas. People need to know, well, what's canvassing? Who do I canvass with? Give me a link. Give me a phone, call, phone number. Give me an email. Give me the exact steps to do. Because we all know it's pretty human nature. If there is a small obstacle between me and doing something, it's going to be less likely that I'm going to do it. The other thing we do is we post first-person descriptions of what it's like to volunteer. What is it like to canvas? So actually, after I did that canvassing with Malcolm Kenyatta, I wrote this far too long Twitter thread about step-by-step -step what happened. 
what's it like to knock on a door? What does a campaign give you? Do they just throw you out there? Do I have to do it by myself? Step by step. And this was for the last midterms. And we ended up having a fair number of people across the country that Twitter thread kind of caught on. And it was the most gratifying thing because we had people posting selfies of them canvassing and saying, I got out there and did this because I read your thread and I felt more comfortable doing it. Or selfies with them and a friend canvassing and saying, you told me it would be less scary to get out if I brought a friend, so I did. So it's that sort of thing. And this is, I think, what Tuesdays with Tumi has done really well, which is making political action seem like something that everyday people do. We're not these political dynamos. Sorry, Vash and Neil, but I got to tell you, we're not political dynamos. We are your neighbors. We're that dorky person next door who feels a little awkward talking to you on the street. It's normal. Like you said, this is this is democracy. Being a member of democracy is finding a way to get involved. Is that knocking on doors or is it um, knocking on doors? And by the way, I got to say, using your software, knocking on doors, or is it helping out delivering yard signs? I honor that. And I honor what you guys have been doing. And actually, you've become dynamos, I think, in the process, it sounds like. Given that we've put 55 minutes since I first pressed the button here, I, I'm going to ask you, what question should I have asked that I didn't about Tuesdays with Toomey and what you're up to? And why don't we go Vash, Neil, Carolyn? What question haven't we been, haven't you asked? You've asked so many wonderful ones. I think... I didn't expect to render you speechless. That just did not. Uh, yes, not in the I know. I, I was just like, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a question you haven't asked about us. I guess I'll start with how do you take the first step? Because I think for so many people, it's that first step that's the hardest. So if you were to ask me, how do you take the first step? <laughs> if you're not in the area of a Tuesdays with Toomey, because if you do, we will definitely, you know, help you take the first step. Sometimes the first step can be something as simple as talking to somebody, talking to somebody you know, talking to an acquaintance or a casual friend. Hey, have you heard something you deeply care about? Hey, have you heard that there's an election coming up? What do you think about it? Just practicing it in a safe environment. That's one way you can take a first step. Another way is look around for a event near you and just go and say hi. My mother is the most introverted person. <laughs> I don't know how she got me. But my mother, when she wanted to get involved, she was like, I'd prefer not to call people. But she asked, what can I do behind the scenes to help? And she ended up running data for like a campaign. <laughs> like there's so many things like, what can be your first step would be a question I'd ask. Because I think that's so hard sometimes. My first step was delivering a greeting card. <laughs> like... So that's, I think that's a cool, cool question and answer. Neil, why don't you take a swing at it? Uh, let's see. How can your listeners set up something like this in their own communities? <laughs> yeah. How can they, or do they need to, you know, cause there are lots of things they could just join, but there is a power to creating your own group. Right. And again, you know, it, it's, for Tuesdays with Toomey, it wasn't necessarily so much about Toomey after a point. It was more about the community that we built around 
protesting to me. But we actually put together a playbook for how to set up a group like this. Um, Where do people find that? Carolyn, where do people find this? (laughs) Uh, We're a little old school on this. They uh, need to email us. And the email is TWT, like Tuesdays with Toomey, TWT playbook at gmail.com. That'll work. But that does tell the story of, you know, kind of how we were founded, how we go about planning rallies, how to keep yourself sane by accentuating the positive as opposed to dwelling on the negative every week. We've managed to distill the wisdom of, of going on six years of uh, protests in, into our playbook uh, to try and help other people uh, learn how to do this. That's excellent. I'm glad we got to that with, a, with that brilliant question. Carolyn, what's yours? I think my question would be, this feels like some sort of reverse jeopardy, but I think my question would be, what's the most important thing when evaluating how you want to be involved? We've been really influenced by a professor at Pitt, a history professor at Pitt, Lara Putnam, who has done a fair amount of research the past five or six years. And been a guest on this show. You should look that up. She's great. I was just about to recommend her. She is amazing. She's spoken to us at Tuesday with, with Toomey um, and advised us. Um, I didn't know that. Along the way. Yeah. She, pretty much any grassroots group on the left in Pennsylvania has uh, probably could say the same thing about Lara. I don't know when she sleeps. Um, but what's really impacted us is the idea that being involved in politics, if you want to make an impact, is not a one-off event. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that perfection should be the, um, I don't remember how that expression goes. The enemy of the good? Thank you. Perfection shouldn't be the enemy of the good. Get started. Find out what works for you. But ultimately, what you're doing is you're building community network and skills. So we're not just talking about one election. We're not just talking about one protest. We're not just talking about one canvassing event. We're creating the natural networks of people and skills and information that means that we're building towards the future. So, for example, I can think of some candidates who have run an election and lost. And on the outside, you could think, oh, Well, that was a whole lot of wasted effort, but in fact, it is not. Because if you're running an election, particularly an election in an area, a district that hasn't had a Dem elected official in a while, you're building the networks and skills for the next candidate. And you build on that. And it takes time. You're not going to, saying something like, oh, we lost, that's it, I'm out breaking your toys and leaving is not the way to go. And that's how Tuesdays with Toomey has has looked at this. We are working ourselves out of a job, but we also have been making sure that we're building skills and building up people who have connections in the community. If we had just stood at that corner of Second and Chestnut in Philadelphia outside of Toomey's office, just the group of us talked amongst ourselves, held some signs, sang some songs for six years, it would have been a waste, frankly, other than the friendships. Um, 
But because we are referring people to other groups, introducing people, I can think of some connections we've made. Kadita Kenner introducing her to the national opinion writer, Will Bunch at the Enquirer, for example. Then there's an article in the Enquirer about the New Pennsylvania projects, for example. Those connections are what matter. And those connections are what is powerful about Tuesdays with Toomey, as naive as we were when we started, and are powerful about all of these groups. So again, it comes down to the human factor, making connections and sticking with it. Our unofficial motto is, we're all just volunteers here, which is our way of saying, we're not perfect, we can't do everything, but we do what we can. And our other motto is action over anxiety. You can sit home, you can doom scroll, you can feel bad, you can talk to your friends about how bad it is and do nothing, or you can get out there, make those connections, build the skills, make change, and also feel a whole lot better. Well, that is an excellent note on which to end. Is there anything else that any of you want to say? I would like to say thank you for inviting us. As you can see, we're all big talkers, especially me. But thank you so much. I think it came together very well with the three of you, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Vash, Carolyn, and Neil of Tuesdays with Toomey. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found. The Great Battlefield is now part of the Democracy Group Podcast Network. Visit democracygroup.org to learn more about other podcasts that cover democracy and civic engagement. You can also help me by leaving comments and good ratings on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, and by sending me suggestions for great guests to nperlman at gmail.com.